Welcome to another episode of the RAG podcast. And for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for Recruitment Agency Growth. Since early 2019, I've been interviewing the most successful and innovative recruitment owners to learn how they rose to the top of their game. In season seven, I'm going to be having raw, authentic and insightful conversations with agency owners, entrepreneurs, leaders, people across the industry. And I want to be learning about their ambitions, what's happening behind the scenes in their agencies today and their plans to navigate difficult market conditions. I'll be bringing you the latest and greatest recruitment stories every single week on Wednesdays at noon across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast on this week's show. I was joined by Owen Myers and Jenna Mackey, the founders of Mackey Myers. Uh, Mackey Myers is a specialist accounting and finance recruitment firm headquartered in London, two and a half years old with 14 employees. These guys are, um, are doing things in a really sustainable and very modern way of working. Two and a half years, they've doubled revenue year on year. They've introduced a four-day week after 12 months, which has been hugely successful. And they are now looking at growing from 14 to 40 to 50 over the, the next few years. Um, they operate in, a, in, in four days in London. So they have no time from home apart from the, four day, the, fi- the fifth day on a Friday where they are completely off work. So it's four days in the office, one day off. In this episode, we talk about how they work together at Michael Page, why they set their own business up, the reality of starting a business just after the pandemic, and actually how good the years were in 21-22, launching a four-day week, and everything that's happened in between. Um, For anyone who's listening, who wants to build a business in the future, or is right at the start of their journey, this one's going to resonate, because ultimately, these guys are two and a half years in, everything's fresh, everything's real, and they're making it work, okay? Doubling revenue year on year is not an easy feat. So I hope you take notes and enjoy the episode as much as I did recording it, without further ado. Owen, Jenna, welcome to the RAG podcast. Thank you very Thanks much. very much for having us. Pleasure, should, pleasure. Should be a fun session. It should be on this beautiful, sunny Tuesday morning. Um, for anyone who's watching this on a Wednesday, obviously it's pre-recorded in case they wonder what if I've lost the plot. Um, guys, thanks so much for taking the time out today. Um, I've obviously done a little introduction to you, but I can never do it true justice. So I'm going to start with you, Owen. Um, give us the bird's eye overview of, of the business. I don't want the story and any any historical stuff, just people, location, sector, that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. So yeah, Mackie Myers, we've been trading two and a half years. Um, we are a finance and accounting recruiter predominantly. Um, we're, we've got an office based in London. Uh, we're, we're office full time, but we'll get onto that, I'm sure. Um, our kind of core market really is that classic mid to senior market it's like 50 to 150k sort of mid middle management senior management level positions um we're hedged across multiple markets um and we do both permanent and interim as well mm-hmm. um so yeah so yeah we've been growing quite well and got a good bit of momentum behind us and looking to keep going jenna is anything you'd add to that as he as he nailed it I think he's nailed it pretty well, actually. I think the only little addition is like the focus in terms of market is predominantly SMEs. So small to mid-sized right. organizations. Right. So the client base almost reflect yourselves. You know, you're not working yeah. with the huge, huge corporates. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you two, tell me, I don't want to go into too much about your journey as recruiters, but we have to touch on it. Like, 
you worked together for a while, right? So tell, tell Jenna, tell me how, how did that all come about? Um, so how did that all come about? Basically, back in the day, I used to work in uh, Michael Page and Auburn's office, um, and Owen used to work in the Michael Page London office. And for the first probably eighteen months of my career, anyway, we didn't even know who each other were. Mm. And then uh, Owen ended up getting looped into jury service, um, and he lives in Hertfordshire. Right. So for two weeks, basically every day when he wasn't in court, he was coming to the St Albans office. And um, I think I'm quite nosy. So I thought this was like a great opportunity to be like, what's jury service like? What's the case all about? Are they oh, guilty? Right. Um, <laughs> no, not at all. No, not at all. And yeah, we just got chatting, to be honest, uh, for those two weeks quite a lot. And then um, about a year or so later, I was kind of debating my options, whether to go Michael Page London or whether to go external somewhere else. And I was actually leaning towards leaving. And then Owen kind of tapped me up and said, what about coming to work for me um, in the division that he ran at the time? And then that's kind of where it all started, to be honest. But um, jury service was kind of, I don't know, the, the kick. Where the kick it all began. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, everything. Without going into too much detail, Owen, like, what, what was the case like? Was it interesting? <laughs> um, I, was on, I was on a couple of cases, actually. Um, the first case, I spent a whole day to select the jury. And we started the case, but then we all got um, thrown out because they worked out about an hour in that was a conflict. So that was frustrating because you're just waiting. Around. Anyone that's done it, they'll know you're just waiting around for hours mm. before you actually have to do something. Never done, yeah. um, so I did. Um, I did one case, which was which was assault, and then there was another case as well. I mean, it's it's really intriguing. Like I know everyone wants to kick kick, kick the can down the road and and do it another time, but it's quite an interesting thing to do, although frustrating because everything takes so long and the systems, the maths, and all that good stuff. Yeah. But um, doing your civic duty and all that, it was good to do. Good on you. And, and so you brought Jenna in, was it into the London office then for Michael Page? Yeah, basically. I mean, you know, it's classic big business, right? So Jenna lived in St, was working in St Albans. That's where she started. Bought a house in East London. But the division, like London and then the Northern Home Counties didn't talk to each other. Suddenly we were going to lose someone um, because, you know, she wanted to work in London, right? Um, and I was given the classic, oh, you can't talk to her. She's gone, you know, whatever. whatever. So had a bit of a chat and I think then my boss got involved and, and and then we were working together. So we worked together then for about five years in central London, pretty much, before then my career took a slightly different curve to do, um, to run a different division. Um, and um, yeah, and then sort of one thing led to another. So what, how that. did you guys bounce off each other then? Because obviously if something must have gone well for you to start a company together. So what, what was the dynamic like working together? Um, I think it, I mean, it started off very much as like a, a, um, like a work relationship, right? So sort of, I was the manager, um, so I was running multiple teams, um, and she was basically managing one of those teams effectively. Um, so it started off, but I think the way in which, um, our division evolved, like it was one of those points in our career where it was like, everything was like primed. It was, it was a fantastic couple of years. And so we all became quite good friends uh, off the back of it. So it was colleagues first, friends second, probably. And I'd probably say that's quite a, the good way around to run a business. Yeah. You've heard some horror stories of mates going into business together. So, um, I lunch mine with my best mate and we're still here. But okay, fine. Uh, You're, uh, yeah, exception, <laughs> exception rather did, than the rule. I did buy out another best mate in year 
too, which was a painful experience. So we could, yeah, there's, there's definitely, if you get the right one, you're fine. I think you get you can get it wrong on either side. Um, yeah. So how long were you working together when the, the initial idea of maybe something is going to happen in the future to set something up? When did that all start to? So we so we were still at we were still at Michael Page. Jenna was an associate director in the London finance business. Um, I'd since moved to run the Northern Home Counties piece. So hmm. they, they had an office in St Albans, Cambridge, Milton Keynes, and Oxford. Um, and the way in which the business was going at the time, both of us and we kept in touch a lot and everything. We're just getting equally frustrated with you know the political machine of a bigger corporate and getting more frustrated with having to you know, pass down decision-making and all this sort of stuff. So I think it was in a run-up to Christmas, wasn't it, where I think I decided that I was done. Um, you know, we had a couple of drinks or it was a breakfast, I think, actually, and Jenna was in a very similar situation. So we decided to have a nice Christmas, reconvene in the new year. Um, and at that point, the decision was we're both done with where we were, but didn't really have the risk appetite to set up our own company. Um I mean, I, I was an ops director, so I was at that point I was running about 40, 45 people. So I wasn't really on the tools. So yeah. didn't particularly have the confidence to go, oh yeah, let's go and make some, make some fees. Um, but an opportunity came up um, through some connections that we had to go and work for another business to start their London office. So it was kind of a similar sort of thing, but very much a safe startup. So um, Jenna had some history with the guys that run that business. I had a few connections. So so that's how it first started. We left the big corporate to go to a small boutique to start their did London you, office. Did they know you were doing something in tandem or was it that big that you handed your notice in and Jenna, you handed your notice in and it was just two people left? Uh, I don't... <laughs> There's probably like two ways to answer it. We both interviewed for this job separately. Right. And I think at the point where we both realised we were both done with Paige um I think Owen was kind of like well why don't we just do it as a duo rather than like two people interview for the same job and then propositioned the the guy who ran the business to say like would you take both of us on to launch London together as two heads rather than one so um we were both knew we were done and we were both interviewing at different jobs and it just so happened that this one was probably the right job and the only job where maybe that was an option and how did you find out you were both interviewing at the same place? Was that a conscious thing? No, it was a bit weird, actually. So I, I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd never really looked for a job in my 10 years at Page. You know, I was, you know, went into the business and, you know, kept taking on more stuff and it was great. So because I knew I wanted to leave, I, I did a bit of shopping around, getting to getting a feel for the market. Um, and I said to Jenna, oh, I'm chatting to this company. And she's like, oh, I interviewed there last year. <laughs> so it was kind of, it was it was quite organic from that point of view. And then it was a bit of a light bulb moment. And we thought, do you know what? Why don't we just give it a crack? So, okay. So well, and what, what year was this, Owen? When did you do this? So that was uh, beginning of 2019. So we started that job in like April, right. May 2019. So before COVID. Um, yeah. Year before COVID. Yeah. So you... Like you say, you've had enough of the big corporate. You both take a job, salaried, I imagine, to go and start a complete brand new business for someone who was established. Where were they already established? So, so they had, um, yeah, up north, Birmingham, Manchester. They had about 30-odd people in the business, but, um, yeah, dotted across a few different locations. And how to talk me through, Owen, how did that go? Because 
I'm trying to remember 2019. It was a pretty good year, I think. I think going into the pandemic was quite a strong time. So what, how did you guys get on with yeah, that? Yeah, I, I think it was right. We did um, we did pretty well, to be honest. I think, um, you know, quite quickly, well, we, we were sort of up there. Um, they, they basically had lots of coverage, but like quite small teams. So um, they didn't have like big teams established in Manchester or whatever. So, um, but London, we were sort of up there as one of their highest performance offices very quickly. Um, we'd made a couple of hires um, and momentum was like pretty good to be honest so it, it was going it was going okay um, obviously COVID hit which killed momentum we still traded well actually um, so kept the head above water and you know the business sort of got through and you know the London business was the most profitable that year and, and it was all good but obviously momentum in terms of hires we had in the pipeline and you know business development that we were doing um, that kind of, you know, obviously slowed down, which then kind of, you know, was a bit of a light bulb moment as to as to kind of the, the planning after that. And Jenna, what was it like working side by side as opposed to the previous Michael Page relationship? So you, you know, earlier worked for for yeah. him in in the, and then you swapped offices almost. He'd gone to the counties you were in London. What was yeah. it like to suddenly sit side by side with with a blank canvas, even though you're backed by others? How would you describe that feeling at that time in your life? It was, to be honest, it was great because I think we'd actually had essentially maybe like a year to two years where we hadn't worked together at all. Like like you say, we flipped basically. I was doing London, he was doing home county. So I think to be able to work back together in itself was like really exciting. And I think that for me was a big driver to, to leave Paige and do that together. Um, but also I think the thing that has been really good for me and Owen is I think like morally we're very well aligned with what we want, our ambition, where we want to get things to. But actually our skill sets are quite different. Um, and we therefore, I think that's why we work quite well together because he takes on certain parts of the business and I take on other parts of the business. And I think that came to fruition again when we joined the company after Paige that really yeah. demonstrated that actually it was kind of like yin and yang vibes that you could then work how would you describe the the balance then so what are you what is your strength would you say jenna um i would say if i look at our business like now we probably divide it up between like um like people sales culture kind of sits with me and i think when we first started that included things like marketing and bits and pieces like that and owen's much more kind of like strategy operations finance so um and that's kind of like rang true, I think, from day one of doing this. And Do you make the money and he just stops you from spending it, basically? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to spend more money, yes. <laughs> my, uh, do you know what? Me and my business partner, both sales, both ex-recruiters, and we both sell still, but we're definitely more aligned that way. Like I'm the ideas yeah. guy and I'm always open to stuff and I can move, a plan can move through my head in about 30 seconds. I'm like, yeah, well, let's do it. And he's like, hang on a minute. And he sits there and he's, <laughs> yeah. he's much more, but he's better, he's better at seeing the, the, the financial impact across different areas and stuff. So it's been really useful from day one to have that balance in my business. Um, yeah. That's clever. I like that. Um, did you know, and I think this is quite a loaded question, but did you know the day you started in that second business that, that was just a stepping stone? Was it, was it always going to be, we're doing this to learn on someone else's money or was it genuinely you thought that might be your direction for the longer term and i'll say that on, to owen on, honestly no so obviously we've had a few comments um uh, on, on, in that respect but like, honestly no i think you know we went into it with good intentions i think they had an interesting platform 
Um, I think the idea, I mean, you know, we were still quite young at the time, you know, we were, we were 30, yeah. 31, you know, still had quite a long yeah. innings in us. The idea of working with that business through for a couple of cycles or something, that was quite appealing. Um, so, so generally, no, it, it was really just the COVID factor that completely changed kind of perceptions and kind of our appetite to risk, um, which really just sort of gave us a bit of a kick and you only live once type mentality. So talk me through that then, Owen, what, what happened? So I remember March 2020, we all remember the dreaded Boris Johnson moments. And I remember this, I lived in Essex, or I don't know if you know, East London, Essex, Haynault, do you know what that is? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was living there at the time and um, there's Fairlock Waters, which is just opposite where I was living, a big lake. It was famous on Towie. I saw it on Towie then. I lived near it. A bit weird. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I remember sitting there. They had a little bar. And I remember sitting there and I had a pint of Guinness to myself when the world was falling apart. And I remember thinking, is this really happening? Like, I remember just thinking, is this really happening? And I didn't drink again for a couple of months and I got my head into it and I felt like I had to get into like some kind of fighter mode because it was just horrific right um so let's go back to paint the picture what it was like for you and you're in a business you're just over a year about a year in you've made some progress and then the world gets shut yeah i think we um the announcement was wade you can't can't go to work anymore and uh, we didn't even take the plants with us right we were a bit like oh you know we'll go for a pint we'll be back in a couple of weeks so it was a bit you know in denial and then obviously when you're working from home it obviously then went downhill quite quickly from there I think um, the one thing I would say is I'm bloody glad we weren't running a business at that point, to be yeah. honest, because I don't envy anybody, whether they had an established business or a small business, of doing that job and trying to navigate that. Um, you know, if someone's put four, five, six, ten years of their life into it, like that is really hard. So fingers crossed we started at a point where, you know, we can get through a couple of cycles before something like that yeah. happens again. Um but from our personal point of view, we actually found it very difficult because it wasn't our business. And so yeah. we weren't really in control of all the information. We didn't really have great visibility. So we, you're going on a lot of trust on you know, what's happening. Um, I think that we, we had enough of a pipeline that actually we carried on working and you know, we, you know, we were still sort of recruiting. Um, obviously, it wasn't as much as it was, but we kind of kept going. But, you know, just as the business is trying to navigate it and us kind of being part of it, kind of not, um, felt a bit um, unsettling, to be honest. Um, I think if you worked at a larger corporate, you'd kind of just go, well, you know, you know, they've got big coffers and, you know, whatever, and, you know, things will be okay. But a smaller business, there was that slightly unsettling feeling. Um, and I think that, you know, I was running quite a lot of the time because the weather was amazing, wasn't it, in yeah, April yeah, and May, May and June and, um there was never anything that happened which sort of gave the indication that this would happen but the thought process of you know how's the business going to do is it going to survive etc i mean it did and it's fine and it's flourishing now as well but that kind of just then set off this trail of thought as to right what would i do actually um and you know it was was just going on this run and i was just like do you know what why don't we just set up our own business you know and how big was the london office at that point um i mean there's only five there's only five, but then we, we had a few hires, which then probably had four hires in total, which fell away because of the because of everything sort of that was happening with COVID. During and did you time. furlough the team? Did did everyone work? How did you guys respond? <laughs> it was it was a bit of both, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bit. Of, so some people were furloughed, um, but then some that had sort of pipeline portfolio that was still working sort of stayed on working. So. Hmm. 
And what about you, Jenna? So Owen's running around his local area, getting a tan and thinking maybe I'll do something different. What was going on for you? Uh, yeah, similar, really. I think, um, I think, to be honest, like I think the whole time that we were in that business, I think we were feeling we'd kind of done it to do a startup within a business. And I think we'd always had a view that we would have like full ownership and control as to what that actually looked like, the business that we were running. And I think even pre-COVID, the longer that we went on working there, the more we realised actually it's still not us. Like it's still the guy who runs the business. If he doesn't want to do something, he doesn't have to do it because it's his company. And you don't actually have that much control over your destiny, even though you're doing this startup in somebody else's company. So I think like even in the run up to COVID, we were probably both thinking maybe this isn't the kind of longer term plan that we already had. And then, yeah, Owen went on a run one day and had this like brainwave and kind of rang me up later on in the year of going do you know what like no job is that safe anymore at the minute like I think that's just been proven that there is no like safe way of doing a startup so um why don't we just do it and I think over the years like me and Owen had often after a few beers had a chat about running our own business and what that would look like and we'd never really taken it I think that seriously until we'd left Paige and then again we joined this company I think with a longer term vision that we would kind of climb up the ranks through there and maybe take over more responsibility for the business internally and then this was just like the catalyst to go well we're not that safe anyway here we've lost a lot of momentum so we're going to have to start again from scratch so actually if there was ever a time to do it like now actually feels like the perfect opportunity to do that i'm interrupting today's episode to give you a message from our brand new sponsor now this company are called untapped and everyone knows that hoxo through this podcast, I've, I've explained that we we built our team internationally, heavily in South Africa. Okay, and I get questions all the time from clients and people who listen to the show, like, "How have you done it? What was the process, etc." Well, I've partnered with a business that can ultimately reveal it all, share it all, and, and help you do the same, right? Because look, it's been a tricky year for the sector, and many of people through uncertain times have had to streamline operations. However, you know, accessing low-cost resources internationally has proven to be a bit of a cheat code for some people, including Hoxo. But anyone who's tried it, like us, it's very difficult. A lot of work, process to get it right. So this company, Untapped, are one of the hottest companies in the market. They've helped Hoxo, they're helping our clients. Um, and they specifically look at companies in the UK, US, Middle East, and Australia transition to using remote individuals and building full offshore sourcing and recruitment solutions. So they source talent pools from places like South Africa and the Philippines. Um, and we're talking about experienced talent here. We're not talking about graduates with no experience. This is like people with three to five years recruitment experience and integrate them into your UK team, okay? So they work remotely, but plug into your UK team. Um, they put around 3,000 candidates per month through an intense four-stage interview and online testing process to find the top 1% or 30 people and secure these people for work with recruitment agencies like yourself. You know, all candidates are benchmarked against UK competition frameworks and the, the way in which you would hire in the UK. So we're not, again, we're not talking about cheap for the sake of being cheap. We're talking about international experienced people just living in lower cost locations. 
So it's a really simple process if you want to work with these guys. You pay a deposit to kick off their search. They then provide a candidate shortlist in 14 days. And then you can put people through your own process to hire them permanently, or there's a freelance option. So if you just want to try before you buy, they can employ them. You pay a daily rate and it's a freelance option. Untapped are totally transparent with all the salaries and fees. Um, but, you know, we're talking about you'll still pay about 70% less than a UK equivalent in that role. So it's a no brainer to complement your existing team to handle surplus demand and ease cost pressures. You know, if you're not using this to rip up your business and rebuild it with global resources, then you're probably gonna fall behind eventually. So due to demand and capacity, they're only operating on a waiting list right now. So if you wanna be part of their waiting list, go to www.tryuntapped.com, okay? www.tryuntapped.com and check out their information. Make sure you say that you listen to the RAG podcast. Um, because they'll do you a very special deal as well. Right, go and check them out. Back to the show. It's incredible, isn't it, how that period of such uncertainty created a lot of entrepreneurs. Like it created, yeah. I know, low, I know, and really successful businesses since I know, you know, I'm thinking about likes of Orbition, who I'm working with, Interval. These are brands that I've worked with since, and the guys are flying. And they all launched in like August, September 2020. Um, because you're right. We all went back to basics. We need. Yeah. We had no. We had no one else to rely on, and we actually, some of us did all right in that period. And thought, you know what? If I can handle this, I'm ready for it. Now, again, how much of the recruitment had you done in that first year, Owen? Because you, again, I, I, I was nowhere near the level you were in terms of. A, I ran about twenty five heads in Venquist when I was there after five years, and I didn't really do a deal for the last year I was there. I was, I was just recruiting internally and managing people and doing BD. So that yeah. definitely played on my mind, even though I was the biggest pillar in the company, I still thought, have I lost that candidate energy or, you know, I didn't, it put me out. And, and I think it's partly why we didn't end up doing it. We did something else because I found it fell in love with something I felt, I found the energy for, but for you that year at the other brand, how, how important was that to get back on the tools and Re prove yourself you still had Yeah, it? really important, really energizing, actually. Because I think when I got to the point where I was like, I'm a bit done with Michael Page, part of my thought process was, am I done with recruitment? Like, actually, yeah. is it that? But actually, um, I kind of convinced myself that actually, no, you know, I've been here a long time and whatever. Like, I need to try something else, try a different company. And I think that was great because it, it kind of just like re-energized, you know, my enthusiasm for the job and actually being at the front line and you know winning business and delivering on business and you know offering you know services and advice and all that sort of stuff because previously my client facing work was more PSL reviews going along to win pitches for junior consultants you know sort of big bigger ticket account management stuff but it wasn't really like delivery um but yeah that um that sort of 18 months we did um yeah was was great and kind of just said to me that actually you know you're not too bad at this. So, you know, uh, um, you could uh, probably keep going for a bit. So. I like it. Makes sense. So you come up with a plan. This was what, April, May, June, something like that? See, it, it was kind of, it was, it, it was during, um, it was during like end of summer through to kind of Christmas, I guess. Cause you know, we still wanted to, we still wanted to put in a good innings, I guess, where we were. And, but I think the nail in the coffin was um, the November when it was kind of obviously going back towards lockdown scenario. Um, but in that period, we were just a bit like just bouncing some ideas around. So 
we're a bit like, okay, if we're going to do this seriously, maybe maybe we come up with individual like mini business plans and then kind of like put them together and like see if they, you know, if, you know, genuinely, if we do match in terms of our mentality and ethos and all that sort of stuff. So we did that and then started playing around with some branding ideas and, and all that good stuff. But then and it was in the run, run up started to Christmas. In March. We were like, started in March, is that right? March 21. Yeah. yeah. So then when did you quit your job? Is it end of January? Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly what I did in 2017. So I had a bonus at the end of January. Yeah. And then I had a month garden leave in February. And then we launched on March the 1st, 2017. Yeah. So I remember that, that exact journey. And it's weird because you're kind of going into Christmas knowing you're out and you've still got one more month to do. And it's it's not a nice feeling. I mean, no. you've obviously got whatever. You've got to focus on yourself. And the reason you're doing it is for your own benefit. But you know you're leaving people behind. You know you're going to, you know, you know you're going to leave other people in a more difficult situation. Which, yeah. when you both handed your notice in, though, that must have been a traumatic day for them. Up north. <laughs> in, you know, my, my fellow Mancunians getting a call. <laughs> Sorry, mate, we're done down here. See you later. Like... Well, because also it was like in COVID, like we were still in a lockdown. So we, everyone was working remotely. Like we weren't oh. even in an office. So um, basically, you know, we pretty much like rock, paper, scissored it, and Owen had to make the phone call. So um, did he mention Owen had. Or did you have to make a phone call and do the same thing? No, Owen just mentioned both. Right. And then, so within 24 hours, we then went and met face-to-face and yeah. chatted it all out and stuff. So, did they try and yeah. change your mind and keep you, or was it a... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, I think if, if COVID hadn't have happened, I don't think we would have been there forever, but I think we wouldn't have been taking the plunge when we did. So I think they felt like they'd taken a risk on the two of us probably and invested quite a lot in that. And yeah. we were probably leaving quite prematurely, to be honest. But um, you can't change what happened, really, that no, instigated no. all of that. And the name Mackie Myers, it's a surname. It's your surnames, right? Yeah. But again, in Manchester, there's a bar called Mackie Mayer, which... Was probably I know an interesting thing for them. I didn't know there was a, there were northerners, but I remember when I first saw your brand, I was thinking, "Is that in that the bar in Manchester?" New spin out, new spin out. <laughs> I know, yeah. but I we did. Have... We, we get it in our um, we get it in our Google Analytics. So like you know, every month when Google sends through your search analytics and all that, it's like every, you know, it's it's either they're searching for recruitment or searching for a burger, right? So, yeah, yeah. Well, I, <laughs> do you know what? The exact time you're talking about, I was in London. I said I, I split with my ex in the June. I moved, I went home to Manchester, went off to Ibiza for a bit, and then I rented a flat in town opposite Makimea, and I moved in there, and then I paid for this flat with, like, it had, like, a gym and a football pitch and all these fancy facilities. And then November, two weeks after I joined, the whole thing went into lockdown and all the facilities shut. So I'm paying an absolute fortune for a flat with no facilities that you can't use. And all I did was walk around Manchester every day with my dog, and that was my life back then. I remember it really yeah. well. Fun, fun um, times. It was. So tell us... Paint the picture then. Mark, we go to March now. You've got the name. You know, what, how did you actually start the business? Because if I remember, it was April the 12th that the world opened up again. Because I remember going to London and went for a few beers in this freezing, freezing. and Freezing. Freezing. Like drink outside. Do you remember? I was like, I've, yeah. I'd, lo- I'd lost all feeling in my feet that day. I remember. Yeah. That was um, that was our launch day. That was our launch day. So we, we registered the business beginning of March. Basically spent a month doing the setup and you yeah. know starting to do some stuff in the background, and then the public launch was twelfth um, of April. So we didn't get much work done on that day oh, because okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were outside freezing, having a couple of beers. But um, yeah, that's what we did it. I think one of the things that we really that really appealed to us about doing it, and we've done it completely ourselves, bootstrapped, is 
they, they actually learning that we did during that that sort of month or two of mm. you know how do you set up a company and a bank account and how do you choose a CRM and configure it and how do you set up the tech infrastructure and everything we wanted to do was so we could bring people in and scale it rather than just let's just do something basic to get off the ground so that learning was like was hard wasn't it um mm. that, what did that you go with quite fun in terms of systems and programs, what do you, who did you who were the main suppliers you partnered with at the time that you think you'd recommend to somebody else um so i think the number one i think you'd get a good accountant so we actually we chatted to quite a few different accountants because i'm really sure we, we knew we were going to do interim so we wanted to make sure we had someone in the background that could support our scaling on that front uh, from that point of view um but yeah we uh, we use a company called azuki accounts you should get punam on the pod actually she's wow. um it's it's a it's a husband and wife business um and they she was ex fd at spencer ogden when they were scaling and wow. she worked for james khan's businesses for a little while and right. she does her own so providing finance back office for uh for firms so their quality so we've scaled up um we've scaled up what we do with them obviously over time and as we've grown and temp business has grown and whatever so i'll probably say that's probably the the biggest win since we started actually what crm did you go with uh vincherry we went vincherry are you still with yeah. vincherry now we are we are our, our contracts up at the end of march so we'd we'd you know considering our options we're the best way of putting it so. well as you know they're a, they're a partner to this podcast and right now we're talking we know they've had some challenges since the takeover. Yeah. Um, so I'm in a couple of weeks, I'm going live with another episode, live with the head of product. So if you've got any questions that you want me to bring to them about the product, about the, the specifics of, not the support, but the, the nuts and bolts of the tool, then let me know and we'll, I'll, I'll bring them to the, and hopefully you'll, you'll be staying with them. Because I, look, I, I, they've been very loyal to me and I know, I know there's been some challenges, but I think all the software has its challenges and it's just... I think all software has... And that, yeah. That's what we've learned. Like, you know, all software has its problems. I think we liked a lot of the stuff from the Vincherry product, but I think what we've realised is actually it's, there's quite a lot to it. So unless we have yeah. someone really owning it, nailing it, configuring it, getting the people <laughs> to buy into it and use it, like it's quite hard. Like, but some of, their, some of the stuff they have is, is brilliant and mm -hmm. has definitely been a differentiator for us in the market. Yeah. It's just how scalable that is, I think. Yeah. So. Fair. So talking, going back to the start, April, your first day, you get hammered and don't do any work. That's standard. That's what we should do. Um, how did the first sort of three months go? Like, talk us through, did you have an office? Where did you base yourself? How did you do it? Yeah, we did. Um, we wanted to be in an office. Neither of us had the appetite to do this from our living rooms and stuff. I think, I mean, Owen had a young family during COVID and I think he was absolutely desperate to get out of the house, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, so we both very much agreed that we wanted to go to an office, but we just got like the equivalent of one of those co-working spaces. Yeah. So um, pretty cheap and cheerful. And I think because it was April 21, most people weren't back in the office at all. So we got, to be honest, like, pretty much the whole place to ourselves to yeah. to a degree there were a few familiar faces but not many so I would say the first few months we kind of positioned ourselves like down the corridor of the co-working space where there was nobody else there and we could be as loud as we wanted and um yeah basically like pulled up a list of however many contacts that we wanted to reach out to and just yeah started picking up the phone started meeting people started generating work and to be honest like had an amazing first month second month was that's a great but the third one was back on track again so you say amazing first month did you do deals in the first month yeah 
Wow. Yeah, permanent yeah, yeah. Or interim role? Uh, I think it was all permanent. Um, yeah. Remember, permanent or contract. So, yeah, 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 all permanent. permanent. Yeah, it was good. It was really good fun. Like, we were just um, back to your roots, really, isn't it? Of what you did when you first started recruitment. So, yeah, it was a good laugh. Those, and we recruited a lot of jobs together and stuff like that. Those co-working spaces do not like recruiters, though, do they? Like, I, I got no. banned. I mean, I'm say, I, I wouldn't say I'm a recruiter anymore, but sales. When I went to Ibiza in that COVID, I was in a co-working space. I couldn't go anymore. They, they kicked me out. It was too loud. <laughs> I'm like, all I'm doing is my job. They're like, can you not stop talking? I'm like, no, my job is to talk. And they're all just like typing away and really, really chill. I'm like, don't charge me the full price. Give me my yeah. own seat and then not let me use it. That's not fair. But um, yeah. I think WeWork's the one where there's a lot of recruiters and they just kind of get on with it. Other other ones are really like, on, there's one in, I'm not going to name them. There's one I went to last year. And it, again, you always felt like you were in trouble if you spoke. Um, so yeah. it's good that it was quiet. Um, yeah. ours, was, ours was all right there was there was a couple of companies that did festivals weren't there so there's there quite a sociable bunch talking about you know setting up supplies for these various festivals around london so so it wasn't too bad but we were on um we're in the white collar factory building on old street roundabout yeah. so you know it was a good spot and i come into liverpool street and jenna's in east london and um so it was yeah it was it was, it was a good spot to be fair and the early days are just energetic right you're just in you've got you've got you've got this kind of exuberance of it's my own thing and how quickly did you have any like targets or benchmarks to then because i know obviously owen you were always talking about scale and growing a team was there some metrics in place that you said if we go and hit this we'll then look at hiring and taking it to the next level i think i think the first one was just was cash to be honest so you know as i said like it was bootstrapped we put our own money in and so it was just getting to a position where we felt like we had enough cash reserve to be able to then spend on more people. So I think right from the get-go, it was, we were, felt like we were pretty risk-averse. Um, we've become um, less so in order to kind of scale a little bit. But it was, can, you know, can we do some recruitment? Can we get some invoices paid? Um, how quickly can we do that? Which would then how much reserves did you want to have like, though? Did you have like a full years of someone's salary or six months or three months? Like how much did you need in your in your opinion at the time? I think to start with, we were six month cash. So at any given point in the running of the business, do we have six months available cash? So yeah. um, that was the starting point. The advice that we've taken from talking to people is that particularly because we've got an interim business and the recurring revenue, that is quite risk averse. If we were perm only, six months is probably five six months is probably about right, but our general position now is three to four months. Uh, otherwise, we're probably going not into COVID, driving the business I mean, I, faster. I remember me, we had this like advisor in December 2019 who came into our office, right? And he said, um, you know, you need, you know, you, you could be doing with more than, you need at least three months cash available, you know, and, and probably six months. I remember him saying if, if like a plane lands on London Bridge and he gave, he gave us this like basically 9-11 version of the UK, yeah. And I was thinking, that can't happen, surely. This is December 2019. <laughs> and honestly, at that point, I don't think we'd ever had more than two months available cash, ever. So if we'd have gone into the pandemic a year earlier, my business would have died, without a doubt. And January 2020, we kind of had that mindset that, right, and luckily, products and services and the things that we were doing, we had a really good start to the year, but we did have that capable amount. And then also, we launched a training program, which went off and... We ended up like doing quite well financially in the pandemic, but it's amazing how that one conversation in the it was like it was meant to happen. Yeah, a, a genuinely, we wouldn't have made it. Like we would not have made it, and and it's getting that balance right. Like you say, 
I'd probably lean, even though I'm quite risk, I'm a risk taker. The thought of losing it all, that's that's a big risk I'm not prepared to take in a lot of instances. Yeah. So yeah. I think there's an element of, of being safe there. So when did you start hiring? How soon was it? Well, I mean, we'd, we'd started conversations very quickly. You know, as soon as we launched, we got a few people pop their head up and, you know, got interested in all that sort of stuff. Um, because we were getting quite busy operationally. So, so our hiring strategy was always to have a, a mix of experience levels. So if we can attract experienced people, fantastic. If we can't, we'll build it through graduates because we've got a long you know, track record and heritage in, in training, developing people who so would lean into that. Uh, lucky enough, we managed to do both at the moment. Um, but at the beginning, we were a bit like, we need some more resource to help us. So we actually hired some sandwich placements um, who started in September. So, I mean, they, I mean, hats off to Naira and Jack because we hired them two months after launching. So yeah. why they joined us, I had absolutely so no idea. On a university um, gap year, is that what you said? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So they they were never going to be able to do more than a year, but for you financially and for them it worked, right? Yeah, and and, and also we quite like the model as um if you hire, you know, one or two sandwich placements, um, they might like it and might want to come back, and then you've got like a talent pipeline coming through. So you know, we've actually just just confirmed um, our last year's one who's going to come back to September as a graduate. So oh, she's she's a graduate, but then she's already got a year working with us. So so that was kind of the general longer term plan. But short term, yeah, it was can we get some additional resource that's not going to cost us a huge amount of money and um, that can help us out. Um, and then we made our first big hire sort of off in October. We started in January, so within nine months, basically. Okay, so at the end of the end of the first financial year, so March, April, 2022. What did the yeah. business look like? Um, me, Owen, two Samaritan placement students and uh, Ollie, I think it would have been. So what did you, what did you build? Five. Can you remember what you guys build that first year? Owen's got the stats. Go on, yeah, we did, uh, we did 450 in the first year. So I don't, I don't, we were breaking any records, but we were, you know, definitely in the, you know, 450,000 pounds working on your own. I mean, in it, it, I mean, it's for you both, let's say you're doing 220 take home each in Michael Page, you're doing pretty well. You have to be a big, big ass billow to do that, wouldn't you? So like the reason I ask that question isn't to, you know, put you on the spot. So people, when, if they are listening and thinking about setting up, it's hearing the reality from people that this is possible. Yeah. Um, what would you say is the hardest bit about year one? Like where, where, when you look back, what were the things that perhaps didn't go well or mistakes you made in that, in those early days that you'd look back and go, I'd do that differently or someone should watch out for? Um, uh, supplier contracts, um, read the small print. Let's <laughs> 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 um, be fair. We didn't get burnt too much, but basically we signed we signed one con. I won't name their name, but we signed one contract. We thought it was a year contract. It was a two year contract. After a year, we we just didn't want to use them anymore, and so I had to negotiate our way out of it. Um, but all of the, particularly the tech products, all tech products, they have these. You sign up. There's like a six month notice, and then if you don't hand your notice, it's like a two year renewal. So just just you know just look at the small print. It's it's probably the first one. Um, I think I think generally the hard bit is doing everything right, but also that's kind of the fun and the challenging bit. So um, so 
you wouldn't really go into it if you weren't really up for no if you're up for doing what's the it. impact on your personal life you mentioned that you had a small family or jenna mentioned you had a small family in the in that period how did you balance that because that is a i mean i didn't have a family when i started my business i do now and i know how hard it is yeah i think uh, well first thing both jenna and i talked to our partners like before doing all this as in you know making sure like well not making sure but getting their input and you know whether they were happy and because whilst you you put business reserves in right you know so you keep the business going we obviously approached it on the basis of i might not earn a salary or anything for three six nine months right depending on when the invoice is going to land so you know that's obviously a big impact on family to go into something that might end up like that anyway so a very supportive wife is probably the first thing um but then also, I, you know, we wanted to, one of the visions for the business was, you know, can we do something whereby we have ambition and scale and do something really interesting with meaning, but we're not rolling back the years to the 1980s culture of, you know, working seven till eight and, you know, um, you know at the grindstone sort of five, six days a week. Um, so trying to don't stand up all day in a pinstripe suit (laughs) (laughs) come on that's not today anyway not today um take the chairs away away. (laughs) here's a message from our newest sponsor in 2023 the recruit hub are you thinking about starting a recruitment business in the uk or the usa if you've thought about it if you've got any desire to start a recruitment business in the future or you might have just started up and you think am i doing it right then you can download a startup blueprint and access key information. Information relating to funding. How much money do you actually need and what are your options? Knowing where you stand. You know, what is your non-compete and do you have any restrictions you really need to consider? Do you need a co-founder? What do you need to know about going alone, going with someone else? How to automate your way to billing faster. Business planning basics. Things like, what is a business plan and how do you write one? Um, And then how do you come up with a name and build a brand? Now, if you are interested in taking this document, our newest sponsor are giving it away for free. They are called Recruit Hub and you can get it at recruit-hub.com forward slash startup-blueprint. The link to this message is in the show notes. So go away, get that free information and see if you're capable of starting a new business or... The business you've just started, is it set up for success? Let me know. I honestly um, heard a story yeah. from a recruiter that, the, that when he first started, they'd take your chair away if you didn't make enough calls. And then if you didn't make enough calls on the second day, the third day, you'd have to wear a chicken suit. <laughs> you'd have to dress in a full chicken suit. I'm like, that is just ridiculous. Like, it's not even, I mean, I, I would not work for a firm that would make me do that. It just wouldn't happen. But, um, no. So you guys operate, you operate a four day week, right? Is that, yeah. is that, am I right? So when did that, when did that become a part of the plan? Um, well, I guess, I mean, it started getting a bit of momentum, didn't it? I think in what, 2022, early 2022, I think there was quite a lot of press and articles and research and all of this going into it. Um, a lot more in other countries. And then I think the UK rolled out their own trial of the four day working week and we, I mean, we didn't do it via that. We did our own thing, to be honest. Yeah. We launched it, I think, just before the official um, four-day week trial uh, came into play. And I think we just kind of felt like it was gaining momentum and there was a lot of arguments for it. And um, 
it was a good opportunity to kind of I think recruitment like historically has been quite exactly like you said like outdated like really long hours crazy like almost like punishments for not doing your job like just we wanted to completely like get rid of that culture and mentality and we didn't want to be anywhere near that so we thought that was quite an important factor in like driving the four-day week I think also it opens up um the door to maybe like a few more I don't know equal pay for people that are working parents like a lot of working mums for example like then don't have to take a deduction on their pay Mm. um and actually what does it do for like work-life balance and well-being and and culture and everything like that and it was a trial like we originally did it on a trial can you remember when when you trialed it what was the date yeah april april 2022 and i will never forget it a year on yeah yeah, it was um it was easter and then all the Maybank holidays. So I think basically for the first six weeks, people were doing like three day weeks and me and I oh, were thinking, yeah. something's not right here. What have we done? <laughs> well, we're <Mark>. done. <laughs> that is the exact reason I changed my, because we, we started when you started on the March and we changed yeah. our, we did one full year of financial year, March to March. Yeah. And then the second year, I couldn't handle the fact that the, first, the start of a year, like bang, was easy, it was yeah. all this holiday. And I was like, I don't like it. So we changed it. We finished in December that year. We did a nine yeah. month, we wrapped up the accounts and we we now run calendar year because that's how we worked in a recruitment firm was calendar year. And yeah. I, yeah. Didn't, I didn't like Easter. So I can yeah. totally empathize with how that would go. Um, yeah, it was so what was the, I guess, what was the, and what is the operating model around it? Because it, it we do a four and a half day week at Hoxha. So we finish at midday on a Friday and I love that. And the reason I kept the Friday morning, a bit selfish, but I, I've always loved a Friday morning at work. I think it's the best time. I used to go in on a Monday in my recruitment firm and say, if I could bottle the energy in the office on a Friday morning and release it yeah. on Monday, we'd, we'd be the best business on earth. Um, because everyone's in a good mood. Everyone's buzzing. And I'm like, I quite like getting to lunch, but after lunch, I'm like, I don't really want to work. So it's worked well for us that way. And do I actually finish at 12? No, but most of the team do. What For you guys, what is the operating model? Because there's lots of ways you can skin this cat. How have you done it? There, there are lots of ways. And if it gathers momentum, different industries are going to do it very differently. I guess what we're doing is we're, we are Monday to Thursday is kind of when we're working and being proactive. And we're all in the office as well. Um, you know, those four days with we see that as a benefit um, <laughs> um, as opposed to part of the job. Um, and then basically but everyone's off on Friday, but are available for commercial imperatives, basically. Um, so so just like on a Wednesday evening, you know, if you get a call from a candidate or a client or whatever, you, you know, you're checking your phone and, and you respond and, and it's important. So it's similar principle on a Friday. So basically people are off doing whatever they want to do getting the train down to see family or, you know, going to the gym in the morning or whatever, but they're just around if stuff's going on. Um, and if the job comes in on a Thursday night, would you expect them to work all day Friday? No. No. Is that hard though? That must be really hard. Like, especially in contracts. Cause like we, I reckon honestly, some of my clients years ago used to just drop deal, drop roles to recruiters at, on purpose at like 6 PM on a Thursday or 5.30 on a Friday. And I remember you'd be wrapped up, ready to go. And then you'd get an email from a client with like three other recruiters on it going, just thought I'd dr- drop this role out to you guys. And you're like, you're taking a break. <laughs> I need it. You'd literally have to stay in the office and ring around and try and cover the market in two hours, right? Yeah. So if that happens to you now on a Thursday night or Friday morning, what? 
how how do you as a as a leadership team? How do you do? Yeah, that? I, I think I think the difference is that I mean we are focusing our business on I don't know what terminology you used to use when you're in the industry, but you know you know gold, silver, bronze, or ABC, right? Yeah, we don't yeah, do ABC. bronze or C jobs, right? We we don't do low quality work. Um, you know the fill rate is what eight percent, something like that. Those sorts of jobs, and those are the sorts of jobs that are at six pm cover the market because they've already gone to five agencies and. We just steer clear of that business completely, to be honest. Um, in which case, we're having we're doing quality work direct with decision makers. And the reality of the situation is, is on a Thursday evening, you know, they're not going to be able to organise someone to interview on a Friday, like because the candidate won't be prepped or they won't actually be that interested or whatever. So you, you know, if if agencies are still saying they can fill a job in two hours in the level of the market we're doing. Actually, it's, yeah, that's not really how we see the market operating at the moment. So yeah. it's just it's just sort of managing expectations, and I guess you know people might do a bit of work on it on a, on a Friday, but not not much at all. And you know, pick it up. Have you had to communicate to your clients? Yeah, yeah. Did you, did yeah. You so like an email, or and then do people reiterate it consistently when they're talking to customers about like picking briefs and things? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're very we're very open with clients. Um, I think, as I said, commercial imperatives. You, you know, there are times where clients are busy, right? You know, and they're like, I can only meet at three o'clock to do a briefing. You know, that's fine. You'll make time at three o'clock on a Friday to do a briefing, but that's the exception, not the rule. So, um, the other thing as well is that we considered doing okay Friday mornings, like you said, works for you guys, but. Actually, most stuff happens on a Friday afternoon because it's the end of the week. The client's like, right, let's get this sorted or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, it's more do what you like in the morning. And, you know, you take a couple of calls on the Friday afternoon is generally how it's playing out. Um, See, that's we, the reason why, because well, I'm obviously working with recruitment firms as my yeah. clients. If they have anything to do, it'll be on a Friday afternoon. So you're not going to get them anyway. Yeah. So yeah. I always find they're either in the pub or they're not replying. But on a Friday yeah. morning, you so yeah, it's, it's just understanding your market, right? And what pe- yeah. how people work. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's gone well. It's gone well so far. I think um, um, a lot of the feedback that we get about it is that, oh, and how do you fit it all in? But then actually, when you actually think about it, particularly post COVID, so I mean we grew up in the days where you'd be meeting at least eight candidates a week in person in the office. Obviously, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, you're generally teamsing them um, remotely, so that cuts down quite a bit of time. We're a small business, so you, you cut down all the internal meetings um plus also we're only focusing on quality work so you cut down the time wasted on jobs you're not going to fill it's very easy to make up eight to ten hours um you know which you can put onto a four-day week so and jenna so if we look at the second year then you launched this you've done 450 or whatever year one which is brilliant you've got a nice lean small team with a couple of people due to leave at the end of the calendar of the academic year yeah how did the second year play out with this extra day with a bit more breathing space um well i guess you know like me and owen probably don't get like the friday off per se but i think like you say like it for us it's a really good opportunity for like not being in the business and Mm. day-to-day plans and what are people up to and going out meeting clients so actually the friday gives us the breathing space to work on the business itself so Um, it's been quite nice. We kind of look at it as Monday to Thursday in terms of like, right, this is when we're recruiting, we're doing client work, we're doing people work, we're building the business. And then Friday is our time to kind of review, reflect, plan, put 
strategies in place, all of that sort of stuff, which has been good. And then um, uh, the second year, how did the second year go? I mean, we hired another senior partner quite quickly who would have started in July. Um, I also at that point went off and had a baby. So Owen was kind of wow. running the fort. Was, for, I was going to say, you had a second year, six months of a complete blur for you, Jenna, to be honest. So, six months know. of a total blur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had like three months of just like reassessing my life and, you know, what have I done and all that crazy what thoughts. What month was the baby born? Uh, end of June. Right. So, yeah. So, Christ, that's a busy second year. So you're going, in, you're going into the final trimester as the year starts. Yeah. And then, and then you've got the baby. Did you... Did you take the rest of the year off? How did that go for you? No, so I took basically like three, three and a half months off. Um, Owen held the fort very strong, which was good and very helpful. And then came back early October, it would have been. Um, but um, as Owen says, it was probably all a bit of a blur, a lot of sleep deprivation. Um, but we, I think I, I left when the business was the numbers that I I said and then came back and I think we probably had a couple more by that point because Hattie had joined we'd replaced the placement students and we had a, another person start yeah. as well so did the billings take a hit because you weren't there the business um no like the business just shifted I think in terms of where we were making our money because first year was me and Owen to be honest like it was our relationships and our our network that we'd built and were building um, and then a couple of the partners that we brought in actually operated in a slightly different market. So I think the business just skewed from like where we were making money to more where they were making money. Um, and then when we came back, it then started evening itself out again. Amazing. I mean, I've got a, a seven, no, an eight week old baby today. Um, oh, wow. So, no, very right. good. I'm, I'm right in the mixer of, of what you were saying. So it's The depths of sleep deprivation. Tuesday, the 3rd of October, she was born and, uh, you know what? Sleep deprivation hasn't been the issue at this point. And I, I, I keep saying this, touch whatever. It's not even wood my desk. But um, <laughs> she's all right. Like she, she, It's getting to sleep the hard bit. So I think last night was about midnight. But once she's out, we're pretty much maybe one wake up maximum. So I, I haven't really struggled so much with that. It's been more my wife's consistent energy for the baby than I've had to do everything. I'm doing everything else around the older two. They're, they're not my, they're my stepkids. So yeah. they're eight and ten. And so my life has been like running, doing the school runs I never used to do and right. trying to make, I'm doing the packed lunches. I'm also cooking most evening meals. I'm doing, not, I'm trying to give my wife so much space to, to look after the baby. That's, uh, it's, it's definitely, it's just, I'm just juggling in a, in a, in a very different way, but I mean, it's all yeah. worth it, right? It's been, it's yeah, been yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, coming back after three months must've been, you know, again, you must've had a good support network to be able to do that. Cause that's a, that's, that's a, Still for the um, right? for, for the record, I had absolutely zero interest in Jenna coming back after three and a half months. Um, oh, she, she emailed me before to say you forced her back. And <laughs> no, I mean, I, I you know, I'd, I'd had two, I'd had two kids. I mean, they're six and four now. But you know, you know, no, having gone through that, it, it was quite a tough time for business. Obviously, you know, you can never plan these things. But equally, I know, I kind of knew what it's like. So I was a bit like. I'm not sure yeah. three months is the right call, Jenna. But you know, you obviously didn't trust me that much, so you wanted to get back very quickly. <laughs> so, uh. well, as long as it works for you, right? And and that's 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 the crucial bit. Um, I just see Owen sat there thinking, Christ, any female listening to the show is not. It's gonna. gonna... <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. Um, so, all right. So we come to the back end of 2022. Yeah. And look, let's be really honest. 
it was a bloody good year, 21 and 22. They were good times. See, when you started the business, the, the, it was rock and roll for the recruitment industry. How did you? How have you found this year? Because I would say it's been a complete mixed bag across industry, across different clients. I'm working with over 500 recruitment firms right now. And I put a message out yesterday to about 100 consultants on a, on a live call. And I got a complete mixed bag. I, got, I probably got 60% saying it's still quiet, it's still tough. And a, load, and a lot of others with green shoots, but it hasn't been 21, 22 for hardly anyone. So how, how have you guys found 23? So I think, I mean, we've, we've found it difficult, but we've, we've done well. So, I mean, you know, we doubled the, doubled the business GP year one to two, and we're going to double it year two to three. Um, so, you know, we would have, we would have taken that. Um, the permanent market has felt quite sticky. So it's very hard to get a placement over the line, much harder than I think it's ever been for our whole careers. But um, I think the fact that we've focused on quality work as much as possible, we're not chasing our tail and wasting our time on stuff. And generally we're doing, you know, we're doing good work with good clients and, and good partnerships. Um, um, interim has been busier this year, I think. And so, so that's grown quite a lot. We've managed to get to the holy grail of our interim businesses, more or less covering our costs on day yeah, one of the month. That's amazing. Um, so, so that's been really handy, and it's mean we can be a bit more aggressive with hiring plans and things like that. So, yeah, no, um, it's felt difficult, but um, we've we've done all right, to be honest. Do you know, without going into exact details, like rough profit margins you aim for? Just because this is a conversation that I'm seeing such varied opinions on right now in terms of what what does a good look like for a recruitment firm from a from an operating profit i think we're we're aiming for 20 to 30 percent generally and i think that's that seems to be about right uh, I mean, you know we're in quite a you know finance and accounting market is not the sexiest in the world you know it's not particularly boom and bust so it's quite a safe market, we feel. I mean, it's always in the top 10 of, yeah. you know, in-demand skill sets. It's never the top three, but whatever. So I think there's a consistent supply, um, there's consistent demand in that market. Um, and I think historically, when you look at businesses, you know, you know getting to 20, 30% is about right. Um, and that's how we've been running the business. So, Probably, I mean, honestly, a lot don't, a lot do sub 10 a hell of a lot do sub 10. Oh, really? Yeah. I know some that are 50, 60%. I interviewed one last week, said he's been 60% since 2017, which is incredible. I mean, there are only eight people yeah. still and they're doing some big numbers, but majority who are growing at the pace you, you're talking about, that, yeah, sub 10, which is, you know, when you stop growing, that's when the profit will, 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 will climb, right? Um, yeah. So where are you guys at right now? How would you describe where the business is today? Like, what's the general feeling? And Jenna, I'll ask you, what, how would you describe where you are as we speak at the end of November 2023? Um, so I guess, like, stats-wise, we're 14 heads um, and the business is split, like, straight down the middle, 50% interim, 50% permanent. So I think we've got, like, quite a nice little synergy in terms of, like, operations and how that's all structured. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are incredibly female-heavy. <laughs> I would say um, I think we're probably about 80% women 20% men so could do with some few more men I would say um, but culture wise feels great like we put so much I think everything that we've done when we set the business up was always to focus on experience and that's the experience that you can give a candidate and client from a recruitment perspective and make sure that like 
you kind of like flip the reputation that recruitment has on its head so that people are like seeing it as a positive experience and then the same to reflect that internally as well which is part of why we've done the four-day week um we focus a lot around like team incentives not individual incentives um and to be honest we've like focused very hard on like hiring like good people that you want to work with and I'd say so far, two and a half years in, like that hasn't changed. And I think we've been very fortunate and maybe very focused on hiring the people that we think are the right people to fit into that culture and that ethos of the business. So I think things feel pretty good, to be honest. I think like money's going in the right direction. People are going in the right direction. Promotions are starting to happen, which is great two and a half years in. So how much of the business buildings is reliant on you two now? becoming less and less to be honest um like in terms of recruiting actual jobs end to end a very very small amount Mm. um and actually we're getting to the point where like our grads are starting to become more self-sufficient we've got our partners who are completely self-sufficient um so i i don't know owen might know percentage wise better this is kind of more his i think yeah year one was like 98 percent jenna and i i think year two about 60 percent even though jenna was off for 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 a little while um but year three i I mean i think jenna and i i mean job generation aside but actually fees end to end probably only be responsible for about a quarter i'd say so um so that so that it's going in the right direction because then you know business becomes a bit more robust hopefully over time 100 percent. so owen what that leads me into my final question where, where yep. are you heading like what's the vision what what do you what's your kind of what you're striving for uh good good question um we found this to be honest we found this quite a difficult question to answer when we first started talking to people because most of the startup recruitment market very much plugs the we're going to sell in five years mentality which obviously is a complete load of rubbish because yeah, you're going to sell it 0.04% <laughs> actually um actually yeah. transact at any point so we didn't really want to bring people along to some false narrative right so you know um, one of our core values is authenticity mm-hmm. our kind of general starting point was let's build a good business that you know has an impact and you know supports people achieve what they want to do in their lives right so that was kind of like one of the the key things in reality what that means is phase one was can we make some fees and hire some people which we did phase two is five-year strategy can we get to a business which is knocking out about three million um probably translates to 2025 heads um but we're already above the curve in achieving that so we're now sort of just putting structures in place okay what's phase three strategy and Part of that we think depends on our own personal appetite. Um, yeah. Also, part of it depends on the structure of the business and the people. Um, I think where we're where we're heading really is a forty to fifty person business, two million EBIT. That feels something which is at the moment achievable, realistic, and you know a point where we're not necessarily going to have to work all all holidays and weekends. So um, <laughs> that's, that's... I love it. Well, like I think you should be a politician, Owen. You're, you're, a politician? <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> clear, you're so clear with your with your communication. Um, um, that is a genuine, and I mean that genuinely. Like that is just one of the most simple ways of explaining where you're heading that I've had on the show. So well done. What I would say about you two, and I mean it, is you just you come across as such genuinely nice people, right? You come in and you want to do things the right way. There's, I think, I, what I love about our sector is actually most of the great businesses are not run by people that people would think. They're not like these really super aggressive, overly obnoxious characters. They're actually just, you know, people that 
did a good job for someone else and decides they want to do it for themselves and and do and take all the things they've learned and the best bits of here there and everywhere and stick it together and i think you guys are a, a testament to that you're doing it so firstly well done um if anyone's listening and just likes the sound of how you've gone about it and wants to pick your brains on the four day week or whatever um, how you don't let anyone have any maternity leave. Um, you, uh, <laughs> that was a joke. Um, but honestly, if anyone does want to reach out, are you open to a chat with them and just giving them some time to, to help them out? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, for sure. Do you know what? what one, of the, one of the really refreshing things when we got to do this was that actually, you know, the recruitment, the SMB market and recruitment like, is so welcoming and supportive and wanting to give advice. So we definitely got that and reached out to people we knew and, um, even now we've, we've started supporting people and giving them some ideas and, and whatever and um, yeah, it's really fulfilling so yeah very happy to share the benefit of our experience if it, if it can be useful. and if anyone in, in your hiring right if anyone's interested in joining a business that's four day a week you know a mature culture London where about you in Old Street um, Shoreditch yeah Shoreditch. Shoreditch yeah yeah. so reach out and um, hopefully people will listen and, and be like you know what that's a business I want to work for guys Thanks so much. I'd love to get you back on in the future. Let's see how you're progressing along that journey. Um, and I, I wish you the best of luck. Very good. Thanks for having us. Thanks very much. Thank you as always for listening to today's show. I truly hope that you got value from it. Honestly, it's the only reason I take time every week to ensure that my audience, you guys, future and existing recruitment owners, you're learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. And today's episode is brought to you by my business, Hoxo. I'm the CEO and founder, and we're on a mission to help brand recruitment agencies and their people better. I want to help people have the tools to stand out in the most competitive markets in the world. We're currently working with over 350 recruitment agencies and 5,000 of their consultants right now, helping them to build their personal brands to consistently win more business attract talent and just become that go-to recruiter in the market. Now we do have a huge coaching program, but a lot of people don't know, we also manage the brands of a lot of founders and we can do the rebrand of that company organizational piece as well. So if your recruitment agency either needs help to look and sound exactly how you want it to, or your leadership and consultant level need to get out there and drive more traffic back to that website, to the business and start using LinkedIn to generate more revenue, then you should definitely be reaching out to us. If that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean, a personal message on LinkedIn. I love hearing from RAG listeners. I would love to talk to you. Uh, look forward to it. So I'll see you again next week with another episode. Catch you soon.